Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 61 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we looked at the new social media sensation, Google+. In this episode, we celebrate the ninth birthday of Tom's blog. Congratulations, Tom, to your blog and its new redesign. Thank and you. And use the occasion to examine blogging in 2011 and the future. We also wanted to take a, a minute to remind those listeners who don't already subscribe to the podcast in iTunes that subscribing to the podcast in iTunes is the best way to make sure that new episodes automatically come to you. Tom, do you want to tell them our agenda for this episode? Absolutely, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're going to discuss the current state of blogging and whether it's still relevant uh, for lawyers these days. In our second segment, we're going to be introducing a, a, a new feature that we're calling Revisiting, where we talk about some of the questions, comments, and discussion that was raised in a previous episode. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our next segment, uh, our first segment, is uh, Blogging at the Crossroads. Blogs, I think, uh, have been around now. Uh, there are people who will argue that they started in the 90s, but I think in, in terms of being widely adopted, I think they've been around for at least 10 years now. But some now, I've been seeing articles pop up here and there that they are fading in popularity and relevance um, when you th consider that social media tools like Facebook and Twitter and now Google Plus are, are becoming places where people are going to communicate and to post content and things like that. Dennis, do you agree with these articles that I'm seeing these days that the, uh, with those who say that blogging is a, is a dead art? Well, I don't know whether I would go that far yet. I mean, it's definitely, I I think we are at a crossroads and, and things are evolving. And I was, it's partly thinking about Google Plus and, and how that fits into the the whole range of, of ways we might share information. But but also I've, I've talked to a number of groups of, and especially law students lately, and I've had a couple of people ask me whether they should start a blog. And I found that my the first thing I wanted to say was that I sort of feel that everybody who really wanted to do a blog had already done it. And I, in a way, it didn't, the whole idea of starting a blog right now didn't almost make sense to me because I've been doing it for so long. Then my second reaction was, if I were starting today, I don't know whether I would do a blog. I might use Facebook, for example, as as a vehicle that I that I put out information. Um, and that all, but but I also I really like my blog and and want to go back to it. And as you said, when Google Plus came out, there were people who, who pointed you know the the URL for their blog into Google Plus and and said this is going to be my outlet, or they used something like Tumblr or some you know some other way to to amalgamate all all the things they were doing you know outside the blog into into one feed or, or something like that but I also find I do a lot of thinking about uh, my blog. In fact, more thinking about it than writing it almost seems these days. Um, and so the blog does feel still really important to me, but 
like you, Tom, you've just done a big redesign of your blog. And I, I know it was a lot of effort and you put a lot of thought into it. And it just seems like it's hard to know exactly what to do with your blog next, even though I, I think it's really difficult to consider the idea of giving it up. Well, here's my, um, I guess here's my number one argument for why blogs either shouldn't die or can't die or won't die. And, and that is, I, I look at Twitter and I look at Facebook and I, and I look at people who are posting links to articles and they say, hey, check this out. Check what so-and-so has to say about this. Check what so-and-so has to say about that. And what do they link back to? They link back to blogs. That's what we're getting. That's where we're getting the content from. I, 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 unless we plan on going back to an age where we rely on the mainstream media and, and magazine articles and things like that to rely on uh, to, to, to tweet about or to publish in social media, uh, people not using blogs mean that there's no real good way to publish what I would say is thoughtful editorial content. I, I understand and, and Dennis, we've been having this conversation offline, your thoughts about maybe having a Facebook page. I really think that having a Facebook page as a blog is a difficult prospect because it just doesn't have the same features that a blog has. It doesn't have the same uh, capabilities for reaching out to people, for posting all the things that you want to post. You're really limited by what Facebook can offer to you. And then, and then all those admittedly 750 million people are uh, are on Facebook you still are requiring the people who want to read your blog to become members of Facebook whether they want to or not and so i think frankly and i'm going to stand behind the idea that i've raised in previous podcasts that that your blog or your website but like we're talking about blogs today so i'll say blog is your home base. It's the place where you keep all of your stuff, where you keep the articles that you write, where you tell people about the things that you're doing and, and what's relevant to either your practice or your business or whatever you happen to be doing. And that, that social media, that Facebook and Twitter and whatever it is, that Google Plus even, is an outpost that leads people back to your home base. Now, um, I, I think that the fact that you own your own work on your blog um, is, to me, the strongest reason why I want to keep a blog. And, and you say that's why you're hesitant to give it up. I don't think it's so clear with social media sites what you own and what you have the ability to, to get. There, are, you know, unless you're talking about Google Plus, uh, if you want to get all of your information out of Facebook or out of Twitter, it's a difficult uh, task. I mean, Google, with its data liberation project, makes it easy for you to get whatever you want out of there. But uh, it's 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 a little bit bit tougher with some of these sites. I will say that uh, from from my standpoint, uh, I, I've been wanting to, uh, to to update my blog for some time. I've mentioned it on this podcast before. I, I've fallen down on the job on blogging mostly because I hated the platform and the design. It was so old and outdated and turned out to be riddled with uh, malware and all sorts of stuff going on behind it. Um, but as I've had discussed here before, I really needed to do a, a, an overhaul of my blog and, and move it to a new host. Now that I've done that, I kind of feel re-energized. I feel like now I have a, a good platform to be able to communicate things to people, and it's really gotten me excited about doing that again. And so I think that I'm, I'm really looking forward to using my blog as a communications page. I mean, what about, you know, Dennis, the idea of the fact that a blog is, in, in essence, your own printing press and social media or things like that is more like renting someone else's printing press? How do you fall down as, as far as that is concerned? 
I, I think that's really compelling. I mean, so for me, a blog was was it was my own printing press. It was my own radio station. It's you know, there's uh, the Beck song to turntables and microphone. This is where I'm getting my message out, and it's mine, and I'm able to do it in the way that I want. That was the appeal of blogging. Ultimately, um, it was this great experiment. Um, you know, I feel my blog, especially in the early years, was so experimental. Everything was an experiment. It was all fun. Now I think about it a lot more. What, you know, do I post something on my blog? Do I put something on Twitter? And it's sort of like when I'm writing the blog, uh, you know, rather than thinking about it, when I'm actually writing a blog post, that's when I go, wow, this is really fun. This is what I like about it. And, you know, I've sometimes said, hey, the, the dirty little secret of, of blogging that nobody will tell you is not this whole marketing thing or anything else. It's just fun. And 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 that that aspect of blogging, I think, sometimes gets lost. I mean, I sort of still come back to this notion of it's a writer's medium, and and so when people ask me about blogging, I say, well, you know, you and I have been doing this for a long time, and I I think it's because because we're writers, and that uh, you know, so so it's a great medium for us. Um, but I I really love doing this podcast now, and so I, I think time for both of us. I think some of our best work and some of our most interesting, uh, you know, comments and our insights are all have been in the podcast lately, and that that's been pulled out of what we might otherwise use in the in the blog. And so, so there is this this new mix of things. We start to have to think about where am I going to put different things, and then as you said, time. If I look at Facebook, I look at Google Plus. I mean, I I would point to Google Wave again because I think what I did in Google Wave to me I think is just gone. You know, I don't know where I ever find that again. And 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 so so I worry about that and I say what attracted me about blogging was it was my own printing press and and I own it and it's on my website and I do what I want with it and I can say what I want and um, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, some service going out of business, uh, you know, something changing drastically, not being able to get my content out. And so I think that the bloggers who've thought about it and people I'm reading about it is in blogging the context of social media. When you say I'm going back to blogging, it is that notion of saying, hey, this is really mine and that's where I can put my stuff and that's where I have the most control. And 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 I think you know, I don't know about you, Tom, and I, I suspect this is true, but for me, after eight and a half years, the blog is really part of my identity. And so, uh, you know, owning that, you know, part of my identity is really important to me. No, I agree. I think that that's, and, and I think that really goes back to the whole concept of the home base. And I think that having that identity, it, it is the same, it is the same with me. I think that, um, and I agree, I, I agree completely with you about owning your own printing press. And I think that that has to do significantly with the amount of control that you have, that the, that the fact is you own it all, it all lives with you. But I think it's also more than that, because the, the, the tools that, uh, that social media provides are good tools, but they aren't, um, they aren't perfect tools. For example, in the redesign of my blog, I had complete control over what I wanted to feature. If I wanted to do something random, which I did on my blog, I decided I want to let people know the books I'm reading. I use Goodreads as a social news ser- uh, book service. And um, so I wanted to post a widget there to let people know here are the last 10 books that I read and what I thought of the books. And that's not something that you can easily do on any of these other pages where people can uh, can, can see that information. And I think that that it's 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 a control issue that that I'm very hesitant to give up. Um, 
I, I, I think that I think that uh, I, I agree with you that for a lot of people, something like a podcast and a podcast may be an equivalent of a blog for someone because if you're, you know, providing good information on a regular basis, uh, whether it happens via uh, the printed media or by something that people can download and listen to whenever they have times, I think that whatever works best for you, if you're a lawyer thinking about this, then I, I think you need to consider that. I. I tend to think that we don't record this podcast often enough because there's so much information I want to share and talk to with people that I am that I, I I can't I can't just be limited to the podcast. But lawyers are busy, and 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 it may might be that podcasts are uh, podcasts are are, are are next for lawyers. So I, I guess I'll come back to to you, Dennis, and ask: uh, Do you think that that's where we're headed? Are we headed for podcasts for lawyers, or maybe what's next for blogging as far as the legal profession is concerned? Well, I think the big untapped area, especially for next generation, and and I don't know, I could see Tom, you or or me experimenting with this is video, um, but it's not really a medium I feel comfortable with. But it, you know, when you have second graders doing sort of professional quality videos as part of their school projects, it really there's a new generation that sees video in a completely different way. But I, I think that really points to uh, you know back in whatever two. 2003, 2002, 2001, you know, and that in the blogging, you know, when blogging really took off in a lot of ways that, you know, it was, it was the medium that you wanted to be in and, and it was a writer's medium. Now you just have a, there are a lot more choices, a, a lot more audiences. And, and I think the advice, Tom, you and I always gave to people about blogging was you need to decide whether this is the right medium for you. You know, understand blogging. Is it something you can do? Is it something you can do on a regular basis? And I, and I think as, as we try to, you know, advocate for blogging and, and what we liked about it, I think probably looking back, I think I underplayed the difficulty that you would have of writing stuff on a regular basis, how lawyers had difficulty with sort of writing and publishing. A lot of times what are first drafts in public, that that's very scary for people and that, you know, you really in a lot of ways need to be a writer to to be successful in blogging and kind of capture that voice. I mean, I love Dave Weiner's definition of blogging, the unedited voice of a person with the emphasis on voice. And so I think the best bloggers really capture that voice that they have. And so I think that, I, but I see people now who use Facebook that really in ways that are really interesting and capture their personality. Um, you know, our, our, our friend Gwyn just has an amazing voice in Twitter in a way that I would have never expected somebody to develop a, a voice in a 140 character, you know, segment. So, uh, and, and I see things happening in Google Plus. So I, I think it's more, uh, you know, the, the blog could be the main thing for some people, but I think you're trying to say, what is it that I want to do? Where is my voice and what works for me? And I, I it could be that blogs are it for some people, but it, it could be another medium and which could be audio, video or social media uh, might work for might work for other people. I, I completely agree with that. Although I guess the, the caveat that I have there is that. As we get to what I would say more advanced medium media for for uh, getting your voice out there, I think it gets to be 
maybe more complex to do it. I think that there are a lot of companies who try to make it easy for you to do videos, but I will tell you, I've seen lots of videos of lawyers putting their either ads or other types of things up on YouTube, and it's pretty atrocious. And I, I think that there are a lot of people there for whom video is not the correct medium, but uh, but that's something that, that you probably can't tell those folks. I, 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 like you, probably will not venture into video. I, I'm great with uh, having video chats with people, but I don't know that putting any other videos out there is something I want to do. I prefer uh, the written medium and, 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 and like uh, being able to communicate and express myself that way. Um, but I do see the challenge of, of moving beyond blogs to video and other areas of being. Will the lawyers really understand how to use the technology? Because because frankly, for some, uh, blogging uh, is a challenge technology-wise. So I think that's going to be an interesting, an interesting call. I, I was when I was thinking about the question of what the you know what's next for blogging. I remember a couple of years ago, I um I said I really think that what's next for blogging, and I think you may see some other people still saying this, is that group blogs are the uh, the next big thing for blogging. And I remember saying this years and years ago. And it really hasn't happened the way that I would expect it to happen. I, I've seen uh, I've seen blogs come up uh, that uh, that that are from big firms, and say an entire business litigation department will contribute to a blog, and that's about as much of a group blog as I've seen. I just don't see kind of disparate groups of lawyers banding together to start their blog. So I'm I'm really I'm really kind of waiting and seeing, see what happens with blogging. I, I think you mentioned at the beginning of this, Dennis, that that uh, that that you thought that people's time to blog had passed. And I think that what we may take for granted is the incredibly long adoption rate and 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 learning curve that lawyers have when it comes to technology. That there's that, you know, initial early adopter phase and then you get the wave of people. And we may have passed the wave, but we haven't I th- I think we're now in the area of mainstream adoption. I look at the number of new blogs that come out every week uh, just from talking to uh, our friend Kevin O'Keefe at LexBlog, the number of new blogs that he debuts every week shows that I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but but we'll see. We'll time time will tell. I, I guess my last question, and I'll let me I'll answer this after you, and we'll take this take it out of the segment. What what's your advice now about uh, to, what do you tell the people who say should I start a blog? What what's your answer? You know, I was going to ask you that to try to get you to go first. I, I well, just, then, uh, then, then let me go. Let me go first, <laughs> I, and then I will go first. I, 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 my my answer is yes. It's still going to be yes. I still say that if you don't have a firm website, and 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 if you don't, then shame on you. This is 2011. You should have a firm website. Um, then a blog can serve as your website. But if you already have a firm website, then let um. Let that serve as your brochure and let the blog serve as as your constantly updated newsletter to your clients. I mean, I've been saying this for years, and I don't think that that advice has ever changed. I think that that's still sound advice for for having something on on the internet to 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 be your online presence, to be your home base. I'm I'm still bullish on blogs, but I agree with you, Dennis, that you need to determine what medium is right for you. If if 140 characters is all you can manage, then maybe Twitter is your medium. But uh, I still think that blogs have a place and are are a good place to show the world uh, what your thinking is on particular legal or other issues. Dennis, why don't you take us out of the segment with your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, I my when you were talking about group blogs, I, there is a bit of a sense out there that maybe group blogs have taken the energy out of blogging, that it's really the individual blog. And I know there are exceptions. There are some good group blogs. Um, and the Huffington Post success is, is an obvious one. But but I, I think that they, the, the sort of group kind of, you know, firm or department blog usually just doesn't have the energy and, and the vitality. And, 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 and also, I, I don't see people coming new into blogging that kind of catch everybody by storm in a way. It's sort of the last blog, sort of newish blog I think of that really caught on that people said, I got to read this is, is uh, Jordan Furlong's Law 21 blog a couple years right. ago, where yeah. you're like, wow, you know, like, where did he come from? This is great stuff. Um, so I think you see less of that. And so I, that's why I think that, um, you know, you look at blogging or you look at, and I was thinking of your comment on video the same way, because when you started blogging, right time, it was really hard to like, you know, start up your own blog and figure a way to install the software on, on your, you know, your web server and to work with your web host to, to do all that stuff. But it was like, no, I got to get, you know, I got to get an RSS feed. I got to get a blog. And so I think with video, uh, you know, we sort of see the difficulties and how you need to do that. But for other people, they're going to say, no, here's something I want to do. And video is the medium. So everything you see as a difficulty is, is just not a problem at all. Cause that, I think that was in a lot of ways our approach to blogging. And so I think you'll see some excitement in, in those areas. And I, I do think that, um, you know, blogs will continue and they'll evolve, and 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 there are blogs that keep energy for a long time. I mean, I still read Dave Weiner's blog that I've read for years, Andrew Selvin's blog. I read it every day, and I read it for years and years. You know, so um, so I think there is that longevity. I just don't see as much in in the newness, uh, you know, happening in blogs, and maybe just because I'm not finding what's new and exciting. And also there's sort of a diversity of uh, opinion. There's really only, to me, sort of the unfortunate thing is there's only so much that, you know, you can read about law in general on a regular basis and want to keep returning to it. So you go to more specialized areas and you know, things that are more of your interest. So I think, you know, I think there's a, still a, you know, an ongoing future for for blogs, I just think that you know people can find their own mediums, and then I think they're the sort of looking for something that will am amalgamate everything you're doing into one feed or one place. You call it time the home base, or I might call it the home feed. You know where you get everything. I think that's probably where we're headed. But we're definitely blogging's at a crossroads, and. Um, and every time blog has been at a crossroad, people have come up with some cool things and, 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 you know, blogging has evolved in new ways. So I'm reasonably optimistic, but I sort of think that blogging will now fit into one part of, of everything that we do on the internet instead of being blogging itself. And I think that our, I guess, combined opinions are cautiously optimistic for the future of blogging. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing 
affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We wanted to try a new segment called Revisiting, where we would go back to the main topic of the prior episode and talk about the questions and discussion we saw arise out of that episode. So in many ways, our last topic of Google Plus lends itself perfectly to this approach because so much is happening so so soon. Uh, and we, we have a lot more experience with Google Plus ourselves than we did even two weeks ago. So, Tom, to wildly oversimplify what we said, you had the more positive take on Google+, and I was more than a little negative. What have we learned and heard, and has your opinion changed much in the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, when you say that uh, we have more experience than we did two weeks ago, I'm not sure I could say that I have more experience uh, with it. I'm still not engaging the way that I want to, and there's a couple reasons for that. I guess I want to start out by saying that that I, I got uh, – I, I, I forget where it came from. It came in through my Google profile. I got a message from um, uh, listener Mike McBride who wanted to point out that when I said that uh, one of the benefits of Google Plus was the ability to put uh, people into specific circles and, and that Facebook couldn't do that. And he pointed out correctly that Facebook has a list feature that you can create lists. And I, I came back to him with my rebuttal saying that, yep, it's there, but it's buried. It's hard to get to. And I still can't find on Facebook how you can actually share separate posts with individual lists. You can use the list to to view the right people and to view separate groups of people, but I don't know that you can use it the same way you can use it in Google+. So I stand by original argument that the Google Plus version of Circles is superior to Facebook lists, but uh, but Mike was right about that. I, I think that what I'm finding on Google Plus is there's a whole lot of conversation. I, there's a lot more conversation than I'm seeing any place in any of the others, in, at least in, in, a, in a proportional way. And I think that's both good and bad. I, you know, Dennis, I know you sent out a request to your circles asking for recommendations uh, on a topic. And although the response wasn't overwhelming, I think it was certainly better than the response that either you or I get on Twitter when we send out the same question to probably larger groups of people. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I guess the downside of the conversation is that Google Plus hasn't figured out how to handle the actual conversations. I will see people who uh, posted something and there will literally be hundreds of comments. And uh, right now it's kind of hard to scroll through it. It doesn't, it makes it difficult to do. Uh, there is, if you have the Chrome browser, there's a plugin that can help you get rid of this, but you may be out of luck if you're not using Chrome. So I think it still has some growing pains. My, my biggest issue with 
with uh, Google Plus is that I, it's hard for me to share directly into Google Plus. The way that I like to, to share information is to have something built in. I use specific tools to share information, whether it's from my blog, which automatically sends something to, to, to Twitter when I post something. Uh, TweetDeck I can share to Facebook and LinkedIn through TweetDeck whenever I'm putting something into Twitter. Um, my RSS reader on my iPad allows me to share information to multiple different places. And right now, none of those have ways to connect directly to my Google Plus account. And I suspect that's just because it's new. Um, it's coming. I hope it's coming, but it's not there yet. So I'm a little bit impatient. I guess I would say that I'm still undecided on Google Plus. I probably am not quite as gung-ho about it as I was two weeks ago, but I'm still willing to give it a chance and, and see where it goes. Dennis, how do you fall out on this? You know, the sort of ironic thing as I thought about this topic was that every time I use Google Plus, I miss Google Wave more because I, I, for me, Google Wave had some interesting potential that it never, that we never really saw come to fruition. So um, I s sometimes see what's missing from, from Google Plus as w some of the things I liked about Google Wave, which is just sort of my personal approach to this. But I think there's been a lot of development actually in the last couple of weeks. So um, I mean, we're starting to see the appearance of SEO and strategies and how to add, get more quantity of people in your circles and how to get people to follow you. Uh, certainly the start of some things that sort of look like the spammers are starting to figure out how they might use this. Um, there's definitely that big quest for numbers among, uh, you know, for people to see how, you know, how many followers I have, the sort of classic Twitter phenomenon. Uh, there's uh, the big brouhaha over the focus on actual, you know, the real name identity and that allowing people with, you know, sometimes famous nicknames to use those nicknames. Uh, the, starting to see a little bit of decline in Google Plus traffic that's drawn some attention. Um, and and I, I think so those have been some developments. And one thing that I know hasn't changed in Google Plus is that every time I go in there, it suggests that I add Leo Laporte to my circle. So it doesn't seem to learn <laughs> from, you know, my not adding Leo that, you know, maybe they might suggest some other people. And I, and I think that's been a little bit disappointing because I, I still think it's really hard to search for conversations that are going on. Um, and, and that's surprising since since it is Google and uh, you know and some other things like that. There, but I want to mention two things, Tom. And one is something that you suggested to me that that I find really interesting. And that is we were talking about Hangouts, and you said, "Oh, Hangouts, I, I do during the day. I don't do that in the evening." And that's the video, you know, the sort of ad hoc video chats. And and so I'm getting this sense, and I'm sort of going to ask you this: whether you're seeing the same thing that Google Plus tends to be something where things happen during the daytime and maybe while people are working and then people might shift over to Twitter and Facebook <laughs> in, in the evenings. Uh, and so that's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, I don't know what's going on. I sort of noticed it. And then the other thing that I think is really fascinating is that people who, you know, as you said, maybe didn't understand, didn't use Facebook very well, or you just added a whole bunch of friends, or you added a bunch of connections on LinkedIn, like Google Plus for the idea of like, hey, this gives me the chance to do the do-over for social media, and maybe I can do it right and put people in the right circles. I originally had an approach, but I have people adding me so often that I sort of have a whole bunch of people in this sort of suspended state because I don't know what circle to put it in. And, and that becomes off-putting to me because I feel like it's another place I got to go to work when, you know, maybe I'd, time would be better spent in Facebook or somewhere else organizing that. Tom, any reaction to those? 
Well, I guess I, you made me laugh when you think when you said suggested that Google Plus is your daytime social network and Facebook and and, and Twitter may be uh, your uh, your evening social network. I would I would tend to think it would be Facebook more than Twitter because the Twitter language uh, Twitter volume during the day is a lot higher than it is at night. But but um, you know for for me I I don't have the same issues with with adding people to circles. I I think it's still easy for me when when I get a request and I usually do this once. Once a day, I'll see all the requests because I continue to have people adding me to circles. And when I, I look at that list, I ask I ask a couple of questions. I go first: Do I know this person? And if I don't know this person, then the next if I do know the person, then I know well does that person fit into my law practice management circle, my legal technology circle, or some combination? Is it a friend or a family? And then I can add them to the relevant circles. If I don't know who that person is, uh, and I don't know them personally, then I will ask, are they a lawyer? And if in that case they go into the lawyer circle, which gets different types of treatment from me. And then if they're not a lawyer, then they go into a, an even more general circle that gets even less treatment from me. So. So it's a pretty simple for me process, and it only takes about two or three minutes to add people to the circles. But that's that's because I'm basically decided I'm going to divide it again, like Facebook. Uh, I had it with people that I knew and versus people I didn't know. If I didn't know you, you weren't on Facebook. Now with Google Plus, I can keep the people that I don't know and still share information with them, but I don't share everything with them, and that's I think to me, the biggest benefit of Google+. Well, and, and that relates to what my comment, maybe sort of hard to fathom comment about Google Wave, is that, okay, so Tom, you and I are going to an ABA meeting next week. And so one of the things I like to know is sort of what, whether people are taking laptops, if you're not taking laptops, you know, what are you, how are you doing, you know, the typical thing of what computer bag people like, you maybe travel tips, that sorts of thing. And it'd be nice to, there's a certain group of people that I would like to ask that question. And in a way, I'd sort of started a group like that on Google Wave. Now with the circles, I would say, oh, I got to go in, figure out who's in these circles, create this new circle and give it this name of like, you know, people to ask tech questions of, or, you know, th that sort of thing. And, and then I feel like I'm going to have a zillion circles. And it seems like once you get over sort of one line of circles are a little bit hard to deal with and to see them because my computer at least it seems like they drop below the the screen a little bit um you know so so that's that's what i struggle a little bit with and and it's my it just brings back my whole experience with using folders and subfolders and all of that that you know eventually they don't become as useful to you so maybe you start out and say i'm just gonna i'm always just gonna have four folders and that's how it's gonna work then it might work but that's sort of where I'm struggling at this this point with Google Plus and and then you know plus just finding the conversations that 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 I think are going on I just find that a little, little bit hard to figure out how I would go back to something that you know maybe occurred a couple of days ago well and I, and I think that to, to to close this out and get to our last session because we're way behind I, I I think that that what it sounds to me like is is that it, it speaks to having a good thought out strategy for creating your circles ahead of time. Because if you're creating the circles ahead of time, based on kind of the advice that you may have heard, I think that where the problem comes in is you've created 
a certain number of circles and then all of a sudden, you know, six months later you think, oh, well, you know, this isn't working. I really need to have a separate set of circles for the people I want to ask my tech questions to or the people I want to plan a trip with or things like that. And so I think that trying to, 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 to determine those circles as best you can ahead of time um, makes it for a less confusing experience down the road. Then again, I, I, I think that unless you're having thousands and thousands of people in your circles, uh, I think that the, the, the flexibility that Google gives you to create a circle on the fly and add a couple people to it is a pretty nifty tool. And I think from my end anyway, it's just sort of a get getting used to it thing. And, and once I get used to it, I, it should be pretty, pretty intuitive. Before we go to our parting shots, a word from Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use this second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Well, I'm going to direct people to my blog for this week's tip. Uh, this uh, past week, I was privileged to give a webcast with Reed Trout's uh, Jeff Richardson and Josh Barrett uh, as they reprised their uh, tech show presentation, 60 iPhone and iPad apps in 60 minutes. I was the moderator, so I could hardly get a word in edgewise because they gave so much great information. Uh, but one of the nice things that we did was we, we were able to post, we had lots of questions, so we posted the answers to those questions uh, on our respective blogs. And then I also went back and posted a list of links to all of the apps that we mentioned. And it turned out to be 69 apps, not just 60. So lots of good resources there. Go to my blog at uh, at iPadforlawyers.squarespace.com. And that's iPad with the number four, iPadforlawyers.squarespace.com. Dennis. So my parting shot, shot is the most amazing tip that I've learned in the last couple of years. And it comes from computer security expert Steve Gibson, and it's about, just calls it password padding. Let me give you a URL right away, https colon slash slash www.grc.com slash haystack.htm. 
And Steve has this idea, and the page is great because it allows you to test your own password using his theory and the tools that he has, and also links to a Security Now podcast where he explains this process. But he takes a look at passwords in a really unique way where he says, how are people likely to break your password? And he goes into the different techniques, and he... Ultimately, if you do enough things to, to create a strong password, the only you know, approach people are going to take is, is sort of a brute force attack. And if you have more, the more characters you have in your password, no matter what those characters are, it makes it harder for a brute force uh, attack to succeed. So his premise is um, that you create a password that does have a capital letter, at least one lowercase letter that has a number and has a symbol, and and then you kind of extend the number of characters. But he uses the example of the, his pa- uh, of the password, capital D, zero, G, and then I think it's like 17 periods. Okay, totally easy to understand. I think it would take like a trillion years for a brute force attack to break <laughs> this. And so with that combination of just saying, I can put memorable things into my password and, you know, a, a set of, you know, say like, you know, eight capital A's or something like that into it, then I have this really strong password that's also easy to to remember. And I think it's a tremendous approach to passwords. And I, I recommend to everyone to think about it and, and to see if there's anything wrong with this suggestion, because it's it's compelling to me. Yep, I I totally agree. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our new show notes blog. The wiki is gone. Long live the blog. We are creating a show notes blog where you can find it at tkmreport.com. You'll find the show notes for this episode, and then we'll be slowly adding in show notes for all the previous episodes. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for an upcoming episode topic, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. If you aren't blogging about this podcast, then at least subscribe to it in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.